0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon. You are very welcome to Liveline. Katie Hannon with you until three o'clock today. Now, TV and movie memorabilia is a big, big, big business. And we hear there is an auction coming up in London next month where they're going to sell the head of a droid from Star Wars. And it is expected to fetch uh, a million euro. Um, I want to bring in Derek Landy now. Derek, good afternoon. Uh, Hello there. Derek, can I just tell you before we say anything else that in all my years... In all my professional life, I don't think I have ever impressed my children as much than when I told them I might get a chance to interview you. Uh, they, they are massive fans of uh, Skullduggery Pleasant. Thank you very much. That is uh, very nice to hear. Yeah. So how many, how many of them are there? At the, how many Skullduggery Pleasant books um, now in the series? Uh, 15 Skullduggery books. Uh, we, I'm... I'm I'm actually speaking uh, to you from a car in the UK where I'm on a tour for the Skullduggery Pleasant graphic novel, um, which we've just released. So, um, yes, if if I go through a tunnel, I will be sure to uh, speak louder. OK. But... Um, Yes, yes. So 15, I think I think I probably have all of those in the house somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Uh, listen, we're talking to you because this is your uh, absolute obsession, right? Yes, yes. And you actually have something in that auction that we were talking about there. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, I was... Um, the lovely Siobhan called me yesterday about this. And, and she said, OK, now we've heard of this... Um, uh, prop auction where the head of C-3PO is uh, going to be put up uh, for auction and we were wondering if you had anything at to say and I I was in the a, a delightful uh, position to inform her that I have a piece up for auction as well um, I I had I have a Batman suit that uh, Michael Keaton wore in the first Batman movie back in 89 um, up up for auction in the same um, in the same on auction. the same day which is uh, yes and how, how much would that go that sounds like a pretty expensive piece of kit I ha- it's it's really weird because obviously with auctions you don't know how much anything will eventually go for but the uh, I think the minimum is like twenty or twenty five thousand, um, uh, and it's something I bought uh, very early on in um, uh, my career um, when I just had the realization that uh, oh I can actually indulge in all of my of my passions and so I adore movies so I got a bunch of of props and costumes over the years. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And But the Batman one, it was just a gathering dust, which is a shameful thing to admit. It was a gathering dust in my garage. So I wasn't enjoying it. And um, so I said, right, I'll let it go. And, and that's the thing about uh, people who collect props. Um, if you miss 
an item one year, you'll probably catch it again within five years um, uh, because they do tend to do the rounds. So why? People buy them, have them for a while and then move on because they want to make space for something else. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 um, yes, that's, that's a very good way of, of, of putting it. The, once you have it, um, once you have um, everything you can actually afford, uh, then you start to look around for your holy grails um, and you go, okay, now what do I have to sell in order to be able to afford, you know, say an, an Indiana Jones whip or, you know, um, uh, even an Indiana Jones hat, which is ridiculous money. Um, like what kind of money but, uh, are we talking about? I, you, I presume you um, don't have a whip or a hat, do you? I no, no, no. Um, they would be hundreds of thousands. Um, yeah, hundreds of thousands. And but okay, talk to me because you have a few holy grails in your house. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's yeah. your what's your what's the one that for you was like? This is it. I just can't believe I have this in my own house. Okay, okay. So the the items that I'm never going. To part with include a pulse rifle from the movie Aliens, um, uh, a machete that uh, Robert Shaw used in Jaws. Um, a machete that Robert Shaw, which where when they were when they were attacking um, the shark? Uh, yes, he he stabbed the shark uh, with this. Um, uh, machete. He also used it to free uh, Hooper's legs when uh, Hooper got trapped. Um, is it, so, a, re- yeah, is it yeah. a real machete? Yes, it is. Now, it's blunt and it's completely useless. But uh, once upon a time, it was sharp and real. Uh, uh, yes. How yeah, much did yeah. you pay for that, Derek? Are you going to tell us? To be honest, I can't uh, remember. You know, I have so much money, I can't remember the, the tens of thousands I paid for that machete. Uh, um, <laughs> Are we talking uh, tens of thousands? Uh, with that one, I, it was easily over 10,000, yes. Yeah. Right. Of course, you know, as I said, that was back in the early days when everyone had money uh, uh, to burn. I, I haven't actually uh, bought anything in years, um, uh, but... Um, Yes. So, uh, but that would be one of my my prized possessions. And where have you? Where do you display it? Do you have it? In- that is in my living room. Um, there are a bunch of other things there. There's um, a few props from Evil Dead. There, uh, on beside the sofa, there we I I have a little podium upon uh, which rests the decapitated head of a doctor from the, uh, the, the 80s um, horror movie, uh, Reanimator. And it's, when my girlfriend sits on the couch, it's right over her shoulder. I was just, just going to say, do you actually have a girlfriend, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's just every time, uh, you know, because we have cats as well. So every time she... Um, her eyes uh, follow a cat as it, you know, as it's uh, being all cute and stuff. And then she looks around and 
the head is right there so it always gets her it is really funny and it's worth it Ed just for that alone <laughs> She must really love you is all I can say <laughs> <laughs> She has to make a lot of sacrifices I have to I have to admit, yes. <laughs> um, and do you like go to these auctions generally? Would this be like a day out for you or do you follow no, them online? Or how, how do people yeah, follow these? It's, I mean, you can go uh, in, in person. Um, I've always uh, uh, done them online. Uh, it, the, the, the thing about auctions is they are, um, especially online, they are awfully addictive. Um, because you you start off you have your your uh, uh, limits you know like okay I'm not going to pay more than a thousand for this item and then you know the the bids start to to slow down and so there's only a few of you left and you it goes over a thousand, but then you're like, okay, maybe one more bid will seal it. Hmm. And and it's just this awful, and you have to to catch yourself and stop because um, for all you know, you'll be going up against someone uh, just like you who, um, and so just a bit by bit, this this piece of memorabilia will just keep on rising and rising and rising. And it, uh, it can be awful. Uh, how do you know it's the real deal then, though? Surely there must be a lot of fake memorabilia doing the rounds. I, I, I would imagine there is fake stuff out there. But, but these places like the prop store in London, which uh, um, I think is um, the one behind this um, auction, they also have a dealership in L.A., um, but they work very hard to authenticate uh, each item. And so the items that go up on, on sale are um, what they call uh, screen matched. So, you know, you take a still from the movie and you can you can actually track scratches or a dent or... Um, uh, you know, you can you can Make sure, yeah, legitimately, um, yeah, identify each particular prop as being genuine. What is it, do you think, about memorabilia that is so addictive and so fascinating and has people paying so much for it? Like, what 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 is it about it that draws you to it so much? I think it's it's more and more um, as a culture and as society we want to um, feel ownership of the things that we love especially the, the, the things that we loved as kids um, you know so that explains the huge uh, nostalgia boom in, in remakes in, in, in reboots but, but also uh, yeah on on this level for those particular people who love the movies enough um, and who have enough money, uh, who have enough disposable money um, to actually indulge in, in their, their passion. It, I mean, for me, it's, it's your owning a piece of history. 
you're owning a piece of film history. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, and it's just, it makes me smile so much to walk into a room, um, and, and go, you know what, I, I can actually uh, put this movie on and I, I have the machete here or I have uh, this costume or it's just a sense of, of, of ownership and belonging. And, um, I think it's just a natural extension of, of loving movies, um, in this case, but you know, you can also, you can also, uh, um, Ed transplant that to practically any uh, passion or hobby. Yeah. I, I was just thinking though, is it like the Sam Maguire? Is there like several whips and several hats and several machetes? There are, there <laughs> are, there, there are. Um, so how do you know you have the one that was actually used in the shot that was used you, in the movie? You, you, ne- to a degree, you never know for sure because there are hero which are, you know, the close-up props. Um, so, I mean, even even with my machete, I think there is one other out there in the world um, that uh, is as genuine as mine is. Um, or, I mean, the, the C-3PO head that is up for auction, there would be a few of those. Um, so... They are not as unique as like one offs, but you know there's there's less than three. <laughs> um, right. So uh, yeah, yeah, close. Yeah, it's close close enough to being unique. The, yeah, <clears throat> yes. Um, it, again, the props that come from horror movies, um, adventure, kind of like the um, um, the Indiana Jones uh, series. They're the big ones, and obviously sci-fi is the is the big, big, mm-hmm. big one. Uh, yeah. is, is it just because it's the particular there's a particular kind of following for those movies are similar to the kind of people who might be focusing on this kind of? Yes, yes. Um, you know, like the last twenty, thirty years, you have seen the people who grew up with these things, who grew up uh, loving these genres. Uh, getting to the point where they are of an age or they are in a position to be successful enough to indulge. So it's all the people like, you know, I'm, what age am I? I'm 48, I'm, for, I'm, I'm 49 uh, uh, this month. And so, and I'm a successful writer. And so I am in a prime position to indulge my uh, my childhood love of Star Wars or Indiana Jones or whatever it is, um, but it, I, but it's the science fiction uh, fans who would naturally gravitate towards uh, a collecting because it's all about. And I lo- I am a collector of many things of books of comics of 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 statues, of art, of... Of um, decapitated heads. Yeah, of decapitated (laughs) heads, of which I have two. (laughs) (laughs) Rest my case. You you were big into The Exorcist as well, weren't you? I know you've cited that as um, 
yeah. you know, as, as an inspiration. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've, um, you know, my my loves are science fiction and horror, um, and I, I, I think the first time I saw The Exorcist uh, was in a horrible bootleg because back in the eighties, uh, you couldn't get The Exorcist, um, and so as I think I was eleven, and I got it at a comic convention in London that my, uh, my mother had brought me to. And I, I, I managed to sneak um, uh, bootleg copies of The Exorcist and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, neither of which were available um, uh, in the 80s. But these days, they're, you know, they're almost tame. Um, but they were banned back then. Uh, and I just watched these two videotapes a bootleg and that just made it queasier um so yeah they they uh both of those movies really informed my my love of horror that um that persists now yeah, I don't know if I can even still on my own watch The Exorcist. I, I, I honestly don't think I'd be able to do it. Uh, I definitely would have to lock all the doors first. Uh, actually, will you hang on? I've got Richard on the line. You might be able to answer this question. Yes, um, indeed. Richard, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. You are also yeah. you are also uh, into Exorcist. Yeah, and horror material. films and all. But yeah. I have an I have an album. And it's 50 years old, and I'm just wondering, it's actually the original music of the Exodus. I presume this is a vinyl uh, vinyl LP, is it? Yes, it is. And it's 50 years old? It's a 50 years old. And where did you get it as a matter of interest, Richard? Uh, probably Darbot or something. So it's just in the house? Yeah. You're wondering, is it worth much? Is it worth having, like... <laughs> Derek, any... If, any... You me, if, you, if you tell me it's worth 50 grand, my head will start spinning. Derek, we do an antiques roadshow here. <laughs> I, <laughs> any, I, any idea at all? I wouldn't have a clue, but that sounds pretty cool. Um, I, 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 wow. Um, I wouldn't have a clue. No, I... I I I'm just uh, I'm just a fan. Um, that's but that's interesting. Uh, I'm telling you now, it's it's fifty years old. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's yeah. Very, is it in good condition, Richard? Oh, it's good condition. Yeah, it's, and all the you know the eerie music, you know all the bad music, and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that, yeah. really, that really gets you going. The hair stands up on the back of your neck. Yeah, the reason I can't watch it. Yes, yes, I remember. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah. you, um, yeah, let's see. We'll put it out there, Richard. See, maybe somebody else out there would have an idea of what something like that would go for. I didn't even realise. Is that is that very much for your help? And I heard the chap. He's a lovely uh, way of talking. And I just said, I bring him. Yep. <laughs> he is, yes, Derek, you have a lovely way of talking. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, can I bring in uh, Mark? Hang on with me, Derek. I don't want to let you go, but I, I want to get a couple of other callers in. Uh, Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, what, what have you got, Mark? Well, I have a number of things. 
uh, nice to speak to a fellow Kerry person, first of all. And I'm probably the opposite to the infatuation with horror. I'm a bit more Catholic. And yesterday, as a matter of fact, there was a huge auction uh, for the estate of the late Roger Moore, of course, 007 and uh, the Saint, uh, in Bonhams of London. And I bought two items there. Uh, I could have bought a number of different things. But um, there was things like little dinky car of the Saint, a little corgi child's dinky car went for 5000 You can imagine the price of some of these things. Now, obviously, some of the bigger lots were Omega watches, jackets and coats he wore in James Bonson's shooting up to 40 and 50,000. But I bought two beautiful icons of the Blessed Virgin Mary with the baby Jesus painted, hand-painted Russian. And they were, it was reported they were from his bedroom in his chalet in Kishtad. And I thought, well, here's a side to this most handsome of men that we've never seen. And I, and I purchased those and I succeeded in, in, in winning them. Now, that was just yesterday, and it's a bit of an opposite to, um, to the whole horror genre. Sorry, sorry, but, uh, do, do, I have a number of things. So know? Roger Moore uh, had, had statues of the Virgin Mary, the mother and... Um, no, they were, they, were, they were actually icons paintings. Oh, you know, icons, like yes, of style. course, yeah, yeah, the Russian, yeah. But they were very, very old. But I, I secured two of them yesterday for, you know, about roughly close to 2,000 euros which I thought was a bargain, you know, something that he probably contemplated in a quiet time and stuff like that in, in his bedroom, as it were. And, and, and I thought it's beautiful. He did an awful lot of work for UNICEF, of course, raising millions for children around the world. So there was that side of his character, and he felt he was most proud of that. So, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, maybe Roger Moore was in good standing with, with the man above. You know? Indeed. So uh, they were my thoughts. But I, I have other things as well, Katie. I have the Benson and Hedges Irish Masters Snooker Trophy. Um, you know, the, when that was on in Goths until there. The actual, have, the actual, um, was it a perpetual yeah, trophy? Yeah, with, 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 with Alex, the Hurricane Higgins and, and, and a lot of other people written on it. Um, I bought that at auction after tobacco became outlawed from sponsoring major sporting events. Of course, yeah. Um, and, 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 and also then I have, um, I have a, a, a pendant worn by Liberace on the night of the Oscars when he presented the Oscars for the best song, the night that carried the fire one in 1982. He had a chain around his neck, I have that. But my prize, the, the, the prize thing of all of them is the microphone Elvis Presley had in his hand in 1973 in Aloha from Hawaii. Um, in, that in, was, in that uh, absolutely uh, terrible movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Blue Hawaii, the movie, which made a lot of money, by the way. No, Aloha from Hawaii, which has the world record for live attendance via television for anything ever broadcast. And oh. Bono and you would be very envious of that. Okay. Two billion people watch live. Aloha wow. from Hawaii. Right. Wow. Okay. Okay. I've got you. And that was the. You actually have the actual microphone that Elvis held in his hand. I have. I have the microphone he used. So you know, um, I thought it was fantastic when 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 it uh, came up a number of years ago, and and I bought it and I how, have it in. Punk how much Kerry. did you pay for it, Mark? I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say. Cute curry man, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it, it it might affect the future price if I choose to sell Absolutely, it, so no doubt. No, we'll have no divulging. Listen, Mark, your line is going from us a bit, but we got all of that. Thank you so much. Really, really interesting. Derek, would you have any interest at all in Elvis or, or Roger Moore? I, I mean, Ro- Roger Moore, uh, perhaps, um, uh, and of course, the music of Elvis is. Uh, timeless, but it 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 ju- it it does just go to show that it's not just just weird uh, geeks 
uh, like me <laughs> who who uh, jump at the chance to to own something from something they love, you know, or something that has influenced them or has had has had a positive impact. Um, you know, we all you know we all want something tangible um, from the the movies, the TV shows, the people, the music that have shaped us um, into the people we are. And, and, and um, yeah, that's, that's just yeah. a wonderful example of that. It's the culture that made us, isn't it? Will you, uh, yes, exactly. I've got uh, Neil Paul on the other line. Neil, good afternoon. Hello there, how's it going? You spent 25 years in the movies. I did. Where are you? You're down in Westport now. Yeah, yeah, just in just uh, well, I'm actually at home in Lewisburg at the moment, and uh, but uh, my wife's in the shop uh, working. You have that lovely bookshop, the Tertulia. Have I got that right? That's right. Yeah, Tertulia bookshop. Yeah. Um, but tell us. So you have you did you like you know nick a couple of things from all those movies? That no, <laughs> God no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must be tempting. No, I, it must be tempting if you're you know your last well, day on you know, set. Uh, on your, you know, on your last couple of uh, guests there, you know, they paid a lot of money. I, uh, I got, all, I got, I got all these things for nothing because, you know, at the end of the day, they, they just tend to uh, chuck them. Or if you know the, the prop guy, you know, you just say, look, do you mind? And he goes, you know, you, you know these guys, so they say, yeah, take it, take what, it. What have you got? Like, t- t- tell us. The... Well, in, yeah, in the bookshop, uh, the wooden floor is from James Bond film, "The World Is Not Enough," or as I used to call it, "The Pay Is Not Enough." Mm-hmm. That was Pierce Brosnan. Uh, and uh, that was a bedroom scene in Turkey, but it was actually Pinewood Studios. And you can see the corner of the uh, the floor when you see the movie, but uh, it's on our floor in the bookshop. And then we also have some lights from the, the movie. They were part of the props for, for The World Is Not Enough. And um, so those two things from the James Bond film. And then from uh, Aliens, I have uh, some original pictures from the, the film that I, uh, I took myself. And um, also we have uh, Event Horizon, which was a horror. I'm sure you're, you're one of your guests there would love this one. It was a horror, horror sci-fi film. Brilliant. And just to explain to people, Neil, what you were working on the sets and uh, wire work for yeah. this. Yeah, I did a bit of wire work on Harry Potter. And, and I've got the envelopes from the first movie, which um, I'm sure a few people got because there was a good few of them. But I also have this is the Hedwig. The, um, the Hedwig sorry, the Hedwig. The the little envelopes from the yeah, where they were delivered to Harry in yes. the uh, the house, you know. Um, so I have them framed on the wall in the bookshops, so people can see them. And I have the uh, Daily Prophet, original Daily Prophet, because I was in the Ministry of Magic working and uh, handing out the uh, the newspaper to the workers as they were going to work. And uh, somehow I ended up with a, a copy of it myself. Somehow, uh, that's, yeah, that's on the wall in the shop. Uh, plus, I have, plus I, I, I have a. I have to say, can I just say we I, we were over there for the to the Harry Potter set um, for that tour uh, earlier on this yes. year. Oh my God, what a fantastic tour! If you had no interest in the movies or anything, it just is so fascinating. It's fabulous. Yeah. Well, we have a sort of mini Harry Potter tour, and and the big difference, of course, is that it's free, you know, so that doesn't really, uh, you know, <laughs> Der- <laughs> you don't have to pay for it. Derek, are you thinking you need to make a trip uh, down over west? I mean, apart from anything else, it's a bookshop, so uh, exactly. yes. <laughs> yeah, we sell that some of your books as well, by the way. That, they- is, that, that, that sounds so lovely. What a shop! Yeah. 
What a shop. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, tell me, are you, do you sell a lot of Skullduggery Pleasant books? Yeah, we do, actually. Yeah, 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 we do. Well, I mean, people people come in, obviously, they love the Harry Potter corner. But also, we have stuff from Alice in Wonderland uh, on the walls. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole place is kind of filled with lights from Harry Potter and uh, Event Horizon and, and a and a stool from uh, that Lawrence Fishburne sat on when he was filming uh, Event Horizon, which, yeah, I'm sure, Derek, you'd love that one because it's, it's a horror sci-fi. That's pretty cool. It's right up your yeah, street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, Lawrence Fishburne yeah, that, was that, a, a real gentleman. He, I mean, I used to have lunch with him uh, once or twice a week while we were working on the film because he was in my favourite movie of all time, of course, uh, Apocalypse Now, as a young kid. Yeah. Okay, I feel yeah, that yeah. I feel that Neil and Derek, you need to get together, have a cup of coffee, and become best friends for life because yeah. <laughs> you, you would definitely well, be I can a match. Some of my stuff, if you fancy it. <laughs> okay. Listen, I need to take a break. Sure, yeah. I need to take a break, Derek. It's been an absolute pleasure, Neil. Thank you for that. Yeah. But uh, Derek, uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, great talking to you, and um, uh, I would love to see some of those props sometime. Talk to Joe on oh eight one eight seven one five eight one five. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And you heard that clip there from um, Claire Byrne uh, about the bed bugs in France. And uh, we've got Erica on the line now from France. Hi, Erica. Hi, Casey. Erica, how bad is it? Well, I don't live in Paris. I live about an hour from Paris. Um, but it's a massive problem over here. It's a massive issue. Now, luckily, I don't have any. Um, but I've been reading about it, and it's literally in, you know, all the newspapers. Everybody's talking about it. There seems to be a big problem over here on the trains in Paris, on the metro. Now, the company that runs the metro are saying that they've done some tests and there, there aren't any. But every day on social media, people are taking photographs on the trains, um, it's in cinemas, some schools, crashes, libraries, hospitals. There's a hospital in the south of France, have it? Um, universities. Now, I teach at the university, but luckily for the moment, it's not in my campus. But I'd say it's only a matter of time. And it seems to be a big problem, so much so that the government over here have called an emergency meeting about it. So that's kind of worrying. So I just wanted to... Uh, I just wanted to tell all the Irish fans just to be really careful when they when they come over to France because um, you know a lot of people will be staying in Airbnbs, which probably are not as controlled maybe as hotels. Um, and I've been reading a lot about it, and um, it seems to be that they 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 cling on to fabrics. So, for example, if you have a bag that isn't made from like a hard plastic shell, they seem to cling on to that. Um, and yeah, I mean, basically, I would be very careful with what I'm bringing with me and put things into plastic bags, seal them up, and everything. Yeah, and be careful with whatever about what you're bringing with you. Be very careful what you're bringing home with you. <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, this is the thing. Uh, in terms of, I mean, is it just has it just blown up, or have have they you've been reading about this over there for for a while? Well, there always seems to have been a problem with bad bugs in France, in particularly in Paris. Um, it used to be cockroaches, last... though, wasn't it? Wasn't that the thing about Paris back in the day? Well, I think Paris is everything that's disgusting is in Paris. Oh, so God, we... don't say that <laughs> Paris is fabulous. <laughs> no, but I mean, because there's so many people live in such a small space, um, you know, you're bound to have a lot of things. Mm. But um, the last few weeks, in particular, there seems to be more and more and more about it in the news. 
Um, I was on a bus through Paris, um, actually on my way to Dublin to the airport a couple of weeks ago. And um, it stopped outside a few buildings and you could see that they were throwing out furniture that had been completely infested. And they were all covered in this kind of, for want of a better word, it looked like massive cling film and big signs on it saying, don't take this, it's infested with bed bugs, you know. And I thought, oh my goodness, and really shocking. <laughs> so I just want everyone to be really careful because um, the metro, you know, even if people stand beside you closely in the metro, they can jump apparently and to get rid of them, apparently, I've been reading about it this morning in the newspaper, um, you're looking at like a thousand euro for someone to come in and they have to come in twice because there needs to be an interval of 14 days. Apparently it's really hard to get rid of them. The treatments in the supermarket don't work and Another thing that I read, um, they can lay about eight eggs a day. So they, you know, they can multiply pretty quickly in your house. <laughs> so welcome to France. <laughs> welcome to France. Yeah, it's just very unfortunate timing in terms of, I know there's a lot of people out there today all excited getting their, getting their things together for the to weekend. Be, uh, You're the bearer of very bad news for, for, for a lot of people. Because I have to no, say... No, I, I, I think it's just to be careful, I think is the thing, you know. Um. I think that that's the, the the thing as well is that apparently they can lie dormant for a very, very, very long time because they do. We know that they feed off human blood. I think that's we can say that. Uh, but that apparently they can survive even if there is nobody in the bed for long periods. They can just survive with nothing and uh, and they come back to life again uh, once they get get another a fresh supply of fresh blood. It's nice. You wouldn't want to be squeamish about this kind of thing. I don't know. Will it actually put people off going? Like, would would you be comfortable staying in a hotel room if you were particularly squeamish around bugs and, and creepy crawlies? Well, it's just from what I've been reading, it's not just hotels. And that's the thing that I want people to be careful about because you don't want to bring it back to Ireland. It seems to spread quickly because some people thought it was just in Paris. But I've been reading that, for example, um, in the south of France, hospitals and libraries, Schools, um, not far from me, a crash had to close down. A crash actually um, closed so, down. Yeah, people have seen them in the cinema. Um, so I would just say, like, I was reading these tips of what you should do. So I'll tell you I, what, what it said. It said that if you have to take a, a, a suitcase, um, a day or so before you use a suitcase, spray inside the suitcase with an insecticide spray and then put a plastic bag covering it and put your stuff into the plastic bag. Um, and apparently, while you're riding around the metro or whatever, put all your stuff into a leather bag and close up the leather bag. I don't know why, but apparently that puts them off the leather bag. No idea why. <laughs> OK. Uh, and you would think, would you, that if you had... Obviously, they don't, like, the cold and the hold of a flight isn't isn't um, a deterrent either if you can actually bring them cross, you know, cross-channel. Well, I think they, I mean, I'm, I don't know the science of it, but um, I think they don't like extremely cold temperatures because I think that's one of the treatments for them. But I mean, the cabin of uh, the cabin of your, you know, Aer Lingus flight's not cold. Would you, be, well, yeah, not the cabin, but I suppose you'd be, if you put, put your luggage into the hold, but yeah, I suppose we don't know. I See, don't know. Is, this, is there a temperature Most people don't really do that anymore, though. If you think about it, most people, like when I'm on a flight back from Paris, most people have those little roll-on trolleys, um, trolley cases, and um, so the cabin's not cold enough to kill them. I mean, I think it. I mean, I think it has to be very, very cold. 
So um, <laughs> I would say another thing that I read as well, and this is, I don't want to make people paranoid, but it was just interesting that um, when you come home, put some sellotape on the floor and um, empty, shake your bag on the sellotape. And then if there's anything, it'll fall onto the sellotape and then you'll be able to get rid of it easily. They can't run off. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, this is absolutely giving me the heebie-jeebies, I have to say. <laughs> uh, do you come home often yourself, Erica? Yeah, so, um, every time every time I have um, a holiday, because I'm a teacher and um, I also have a daughter here, but we go to visit my parents in Dublin every few weeks. Have you been but in I'd France? Be definitely... Uh, have you been there long? Really careful next time. Yeah, I was thinking there'll be there'll be a serious uh, quarantine arrangements being being organised for you. <laughs> Do you uh, have you been living in France very long? Yeah, I've been here for eleven years. All right. Yeah. So so you are very acclimatised. Yeah. No, I don't live in Paris. I live in a small town about an hour from Paris. But I mean, I'm always really careful when I go to Paris because you know, for example. We have we also another thing at the moment is COVID is, is quite high here again in France. That's another thing to be careful about, guys. Um, but um, yeah, um, I, I prefer to live in a smaller town because Paris just it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, Paris is huge. Uh, it's uh, mm. lived there very briefly myself, and it's I, it's a fabulous, fabulous place. Um, but it can be very full on. I'm just looking at some more details. I'm being, to, I'm being uh, my lovely producer sending in. Uh, apparently, adult bed bugs have flat bodies about the size of an apple seed. Okay, that's pretty big, actually. Right. I, I wouldn't have thought they were yeah, that they big. Uh, and they can mm. survive in extreme temperatures, apparently, but they can't jump. So that might be a little, some small uh, bit of comfort. Apparently, they're not jumpers. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, the only thing is now, if you if you think about being on the metro in Paris, you can be really squashed up against people. So, <laughs> so you might need to jump, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh God, Erica, you're really not painting a great picture. You're, I'm o- I'm almost glad that I don't have tickets for Saturday's match. Uh, that's uh, uh, no, but I mean, most of the people who they, who they'll be standing beside in the in the stadium will be Irish people anyway. So hopefully they they won't have circulated too much before the match. Absolutely, and you know what, Erica, I wouldn't say uh, it will put off the average rugby fan. To be fair, um, I think anyone who has tickets for that match will are dying to get there and it's uh, promising to be a really, really great weekend. Erica, thanks for that. Oh yeah, uh, re- absolutely. And the weather is going to be great as well. So you don't yeah. need to take too many clothes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Just a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, you'd be grand. And dump them in the airport exactly. on the way home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, thanks for that, Erica. We'll uh, take a break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now, I am absolutely delighted to be talking to my next caller, Sheila. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. How are you? Sheila, I am grand and I'm delighted to talk to you because we were talking about this. I was talking about this too uh, with Louise Duffy earlier. I am one of those people who is constantly, utterly confused about what I can and I can't do in terms of composting, recycling, uh, you know, what has to go into the general waste. So you are my you are my go to person for this now because you're oh, passionate. You are passionate about. Absolutely. I have been since I was a little girl. My mother was always 
She was a lover of the earth and what comes from the earth goes back into the earth. You know, uh, so it's a case of, you know, what the, what the earth creates um, in, in nature, it goes back in. Most, most, you know, what, what, uh, with our, our plants, our vegetables, all that kind of thing, um, our leaves. I was at a, um, an online um, workshop last night with um, Craig Benton. And uh, indeed, I think there was 37 groups uh, of residents and individuals. And we're looking at composting the leaves now to make absolutely lovely compost. This is this is gardens. this is uh, you know leaf leaves from the garden from gardening leaves waste basically garden. yeah 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 and yeah, tell me about because I tell you a lot of people I think would have the same this idea about composting that it's basically a big steamy smelly heap at the bottom of the garden that brings vermin so tell me wh- how can you convince somebody that that's not the case well if you put cooked food into a compost bin uh, it will attract vermin. It will absolutely attract vermin. But uh, if you, the likes of carrot peelings, potato peelings, uh, cabbage, you know, Brussels sprouts, all them kind of things, uh, they don't, they don't attract vermin. They don't, Um, even as they're rotting, they don't attract vermin. No, no, they don't. Um, No, they don't. Tell me about, tell me about tea bags. Do they go into the compost? Tea bags, the tea bag itself. Oh, we're having trouble with Sheila's line there. Do we have, I'm going to, are you back with us, Sheila? I think Sheila, oh oh no, Sheila, sorry, we just dropped, the line dropped totally there and I think you were telling me something very important about tea bags. Tea bags, (laughs) but what I do is I empty the tea, I dry them out, I empty them into a bucket, a little bucket I have under the sink and I use them for soil. I have a a five-year-old grandson and he loves to play with his tractors and all his vehicles so I bring it out and I put it into uh, the soil outside and he drives around with his little vehicles and he makes his natural soil. So, um, and, and that's, 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 that goes back into the earth. I put it on my roses. I put it all around the garden and it doesn't go into the brown bin. They, the tea bags do now. They do go in because they do break down eventually, Katie. But there is actually um, paper in them. Yeah, and that takes, so that takes longer. So if you remember our, our mothers years ago, I mean, we had the teapot and it was the tea leaves. So now we have the convenience of the tea bags. Yeah. So now, um, yeah, so it, it's great to go back to the tea leaves, but most people just on the go, uh, boil the kettle and, and put a tea bag in. So, uh, so yeah, so I find it great. I find it absolutely super. Uh, what about eggshells? Eggshells, um, they will break down. They're very, very slow to break down. Very slow. So I don't put those into my compost bin. I put those into the brown bin. They go into the brown bin. So eggshells are very, very slow to, to break down. And tell me, you do other, you do others, the other things with um, plastic netting from, you know, from vegetables. Yes, yes. Well, um, St. Patrick's National School in Ardcath. Um, um, the, the teachers are always looking for um, recyclable items and they make crafts with them. So what I do is I all the netting from your carrots, your, um, not even, sorry, not the carrots, the Brussels sprouts, you have them on the lemons, you have them on the onions. 
I keep all those together and I put them into a big plastic bag and bring them down to um, the teachers. And the Pringle cans, um, you know, the, the milk cartons, when I, do, I cut them out and you can actually use those and put holes in the bottom and grow, grow your, your, um, your, your seeds in them and you can water them. So there's loads of things you can do with, with plastic and reuse them again. T- t- tell me about the Pringle cans, actually, because that's one of the ones for me. And you know those other, like the um, the porridge tins that are, again, like yes. those kind of ca- yes. half cardboard, half kind of almost, you know, metally covering. Are yes. they recyclable? Where What can you do? If you're not using them for, uh, you know, seedlings or whatever, you know, at that level... Where can you where can you dispose of them properly? Well, the Pringle cans, there's cardboard and there's actually um, um, I'm not sure what the base is made out of. It's kind of an aluminium tin. But what I do with those is I bring them down to the school. And if you look at the the shape of them, they're ideal for holders. You know, we go out and we buy all these plastic um, containers to to store stuff uh, in. And particularly with the children, I mean, they've crayons and they've, you know, all sorts of uh, bits and pieces, um, craft stuff. And you can just put a little label on them and you you have little storage. And they're great for that. And then, of course. Oh, our line isn't great with Sheila. I'm going to bring in Des. Des, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. Thanks for having me on. Hiya, Des. Just while we're trying to sort out Sheila's line there. Uh, Yep. You are actually, uh, this, this is actually your area of expertise. You're uh, Director of Waste uh, Management. That, that's right. Um, I'm Chairman of the Irish Waste Management Association and I also work with Panda Waste and I look after all the recycling that we take in. So, and, and I have to say, it's great to hear some common sense from Sheila and she's 100% right. If you can at all, we, we encourage people to reuse the, uh, you know, the unusual stuff and she's come up with some very innovative ways of doing that. Uh, the there other there thing is, though, there's a limit to the amount of, you abs- know, crayon boxes yeah, you can keep in abs- your house. Abs- absolutely. And I, I think the first place we start is just for everyone to be aware of what we are buying. And I know it's difficult in today's society and, we, you know, we are, a, we, we are a consumer society, but if people do think a little bit about what they buy and the amount of packaging and try and reduce that, that's, that's probably where we start. We then go to the reuse that Sheila's on about and then of course this is where the, the waste management guys like myself come in we take your bin away and we recycle it and I suppose to keep it simple because it can get very complicated or we can make it complicated but to keep it simple our message at the moment is clean, loose and dry and, and once it comes into us like that we can generally get what's recyclable out of your recycle bin and it will go to be used again you know and, and, and Des let me ask you this then in, like when you're looking at what comes in say from the panda yeah. panda bins yeah are people good at it or are people do people chance their arm or are people just don't know really or are obviously confused yeah. about what should yeah. be in the recycling bin Absolutely. I think you have all of the above. Like everything, it's never straightforward. We're getting better, there's no question. We're not as bad as we think we are as well. We're not as bad as we're being told. I think we're actually 
we're, we're better than we, we think we are. There's a lot of work to be done. And programmes like this, I think, help, uh, you know, highlight, you know, and help educate people what, what needs to happen. You know, but, but definitely uh, the, the clean, loose and dry, once you put the clean material into the bin, we don't mind. We can sort it out very easily. We can find what's recyclable uh, and, we, and it will be reused okay. or recycled. And yeah. what, is, what is the most, I'm going to, I want to bring in somebody in a second now because I think yeah. they, they have some questions. <clears throat> As I think yeah. a lot of people, literally a lot of us are out there and we're trying to do our best. But yeah. it, there, you know, there is a lot of rules around it that um, can be quite confusing. But like, is, right. is, what is the one thing that, that, what is the biggest mistake or the most common mistake people make in terms of what ends up in, I, in the recycling yeah, that shouldn't? We've we, we a couple of things, a couple of horrible ones like uh, nappies are not recyclable. So they shouldn't be in the recycle bin. That's something that continues to happen. It's not as bad as it really? used to be. That really yeah. happens. People uh, put dirty uh, it, used it, nappies into the recycling? Dirty used nappies into oh. the recycling bin. And the same with tissues and, you know, soiled paper doesn't go in the recycling bin, I'm afraid. You know, things like that people just don't think or I've, I've talked to people who thought nappies were recyclable, and but they're not. Okay. You know, uh, uh, things like uh, another one that we find a lot in the summertime, we get a lot of garden waste. So people put it in the recycle bin. Absolutely not. It's compost, as Sheila said, or it goes in your compost bin. Uh, and in the wintertime, we actually get bags of ashes that have cooled down and they end up in the recycle bin. So, you know, it's stuff that it really, but, really is not recyclable. So the bags of ashes, they can go into the compost bin, though, can they? They, they can go into the compost bin, yeah. OK, yeah. and that's where, uh, no, and that's where the they bag, should of go. Course. Uh, loose, without the bag, no, no bags. Yeah. Oh, no bags. Or, oh, well, you can yeah, put them into yeah. the compostable bags, can you? Yeah, in the compostable bags, yeah, okay. that's right. Let yeah, me bring yeah. in Tim. Tim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Casey. How are you? Tim, are you a bit like me? In what way, Casey? <laughs> in the way that in the way that I'm not 100% sure if I'm doing the right thing or not. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, a few weeks ago, there was somebody on, I think it was Morning Ireland, on from the EPA and giving out, you know, and, and as Des was saying there, people put stuff into the recycling bin, which is soiled. But then there are certain items, like, for instance, if you, uh, nappies, I mean, where do they go? Is there a... You see, I only have two bins. I have a recyclable bin and I have a waste bin. I don't have a food bin. That's in Cork. So I, I, I try to put the food stuff into the waste bin, but then there are certain things. If I did have a food bin, there are certain things that are irreparably sort of soiled, you know, kind of recyclable stuff that you get in the shop, you know, cartons that come out. For instance, a butter paper. You know, the foiled butter paper. You take a pound of butter out of it. Oh, yeah. That is irreparably soiled. You can't clean that to put it into the recycling bin. So where does that go? Des? Yeah, that's that's that that particular one because it is difficult to get the residue off. That's unfortunately that goes into the general waste bin. And one mm. thing I will say, Tim, is that from next year onwards, you will be given a, a you will be given the opportunity to get a, a food waste bin. That's been rolled out nationally. So at the moment, uh, cities and villages, towns and villages have them, uh, and people are using them. Unfortunately, we're finding a lot of people don't use them or not using them enough. And it's actually it's actually illegal once you offer the brown bin to put food waste into your black bin or general waste bin. So, you know, it's one of the things we're trying to encourage people to use the compost or the food waste bin more when you have it. And as an industry and the department are, are with us on this, we're rolling them out from next year that everyone will have the will have will have a food waste bin. Oh, so 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 at the moment, only people in cities and and towns uh, yeah. have the. Uh, 
that's right. I didn't yeah. realise that. So, um, yeah. Dan, uh, if you're outside of that area, you won't. Uh, and Tim, any yeah. other any other uh, quandaries you'd be in? I'm, I'm more, the, what about well, the, I've just yeah. one, well, one query just came into my head there as Des is speaking. I go, when the food bin comes out, I mean, how often will that be collected? You see, at the moment, my recyclable bin is collected every fortnight and my general waste is collected, you know, on the alternative days every fortnight. But, I mean, I don't really fancy having, particularly in the summer, hot summer, um, a bin full of rotting food in my, in my backyard. I mean, will that be collected every week? It depends on the operators. Some operators are weekly and some are fortnightly. But remember, at the moment, that food is in your general waste bin and is making it quite quite horrible as well so you just move it from from one bin to the other you know and then a lot of operators also offer a bin cleaning service for that particular reason that after the summer get the bin washed out oh do they i've I've never seen that i know that that sounds good i I know i I know it's something that we offer and it's a it's something when people get used to it they use it quite a bit it's a good it's good service it is a good service it's not a job you'd like to be doing yourself to be honest Uh, what, no. Can I ask you um, about cling film? What kind of is there particular types of plastic that you don't want to see in that recyclable bin now? Because I know it changed; the rules changed in the last year or two, didn't they? Yeah, no, the rules changed, and the, the reason they changed is uh, uh, the the waste management companies have invested a lot of money to be able to separate the plastic film, and we, we weren't able to do that before, and it was causing problems mixing with paper. But we can separate it now, so we're asking everyone just to keep it nice and simple. Any plastic film that you have, put it in the recycle bin, and we'll extract it, and we'll make sure that if it's recyclable, it will be recycled. Because some some is not, but we we can get very complicated by talking about laminates and talking about different types of plastic but to keep it simple all plastic packaging all film packaging can go in the recycle bin now once it's clean um and tell me the food waste that we were just talking about that tim was talking about there what what do you do with that when that comes through what where does that go so it, two, two options in Ireland at the moment. One is for to go, it goes for composting. So it'll go to large industrial composting facilities and that will make a fertiliser and goes to land spreading. Or it goes to anaerobic digestion plants and that will make, that will make methane, which makes electricity gas and either goes into the gas grid in some cases or will make electricity and the resi- residual then will be uh, compost. I have another question in here. The last bit, the bit at the bottom of a, of a candle or if you have a, a, a candle in a container, you know, where it melts into the bottom of it. What do you do with that? Yeah, my, my understanding on that would be residual, yeah. Residual, which yeah, means... Black, yeah, which the, the black bin. The black the bin, there's nothing you can do about that. So, yeah, you, no, so if no. you have ca- a candle melted into the bottom of glass, the glass is no longer recyclable glass, is it, that it? It, it, it? it would be difficult. It would make the glass very, very difficult to recycle because, as you can imagine, the candle wax is extremely difficult to remove from it, unfortunately. OK, <clears> that's one. T- Katie, may I just ask you a question? Yes, please, Tim, yeah. Tim here. Yeah, and Des, what level of cleanliness is required? Say you, you have a carton, maybe, of, uh, say, coleslaw you buy in the supermarket, a plastic carton of coleslaw, you empty yeah. it out, right, and I rinse it under the tap, you know, yeah. I mean, and it looks, you know, it, it's not spotlessly clean, but it is, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the, the no, residue. 
No, I think you, where, where you are at the moment is absolutely perfect. Uh, once you give it a rinse onto the tap, knock the, uh, knock the excess water off it, so tap the excess water off it and put it in your recycle bin, it's fine. And I have a, a little stupid saying, and people laugh at me, but if I emptied your recycle bin out on your kitchen floor and you were happy enough with it, we're happy to take it. But if, you, if it was on your kitchen floor and you're going, oh my God, that's terrible, I don't particularly want it either because it's very difficult for us to handle it. So that's how clean it should be. You know, it, we, right. we, we, don't, we don't want food waste, but it doesn't have to be scrubbed clean using hot water because then we're using other resources that we don't need to. So once it's clean uh, and dry, we, we will manage it after that. Uh, OK, one uh, couple of more. Tinfoil, Des. Tinfoil, same thing. The big, biggest problem with tinfoil tends to be it, it's round food and it's difficult to get it clean. But if it happens to be clean, put it in the bin and it will go off with the aluminium cans. It will be pulled out separately and get recycled. Okay, so you can put tinfoil, clean tinfoil into your Absolutely. recycling bin. Okay, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about, um, somebody else has asked here, blue roll, you know, those hand towels, those blue roll hand towels, you know, when they go wet, do you, which bin do they End up in. Well, they, the, the problem with the blue roll is that they're contaminated. So if there was, if it was paper that hasn't, it's not wet and hasn't been contaminated, of course, goes in the recycle bin. But anything that has been used to mop up or is wet or, or like that, it goes into your compost bin, into your food waste, and it will break down and make compost. Um, Katie, I have one more question. Oh, Tim, okay. If possible. Um, because <laughs> these, these are the answers, you see, that I'm looking for, you know. And, and in I, one I, way, maybe... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it, no, but if, 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 well, if an education process could be even just done on TV or maybe a few ads, but one thing, like it comes to mind, kitchen paper. I know kitchen, because that's much stronger, say, than toilet tissue, etc. Kitchen paper, there's a lot of glue in that. That's, so, that's right. Um, yeah. So soils, kitchen paper, would that go into general waste or, or because it may not break down as quickly, would it go into the food? Into the food waste in general, uh, there are, you know, in the compost facilities, they will they will be able to break the kitchen paper down. And, and it, it, Tim, you have a very very good point. I think we do need to educate people an awful lot more. We've gone through, you know, we talk within the industry, and we've seen huge changes in speeding, in drink driving, in wearing a seatbelt. Mm. I think we need the same type of educational push now to to explain to people how to recycle better, how to you know to manage the waste, how to manage what's in the household better. But there are a couple of very good resources and one of them is mywaste.ie and on that there is an A to Z of absolutely everything you can think of and where it should go to so it's very very helpful so maybe if that can be put up on your website Katie it's mywaste.ie and it's very very useful Yeah I'm sure we'll be able to get that up there Um, and just one last one uh, for you Des uh, in terms of the bins Uh, when the food waste bin comes in for you know for the whole country Will yeah. there will there be a half size bin for you know for elderly people you know who might be living you know up that's, a Boharine yeah. from where the that, the collection that, that's will exactly. be exactly yeah it'll very much depend on the collectors so at the moment uh, some collectors actually use a caddy a quite a small bin and that's collected weekly and people really like that then we find for other people who maybe want to put their garden waste and that in we'll be offering a full size bin so it'll depend on the collector uh, and I think it's worth once the bin comes out you the collector will be offering the service to you and and talk to them then and just on the bins one other interesting one you, you know a lot of collectors will give you an extra recycling bin because we are finding a, a standard household now the bin is nearly not big enough for the two weeks that most people are on the cycle of two weeks 
So, you know, there is an option to get a bigger bin and there is an option, I think I explained to someone, there's an option to push the material. While it's loose, don't put them in together. But when it's in the bin, you can compact it down to make sure you're getting all the material into the bin. You can just squish them in as much as you can. Squish it in, I'm, th- exactly, I'm yeah. thinking the Christmas recycling bin <laughs> now, which is, <laughs> yeah, which is always, the, which is always the, uh, the big challenge. Can you actually get, yeah, yeah. get yeah, away with that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Des, thanks for that. I want to bring in Declan because, Declan, uh, you are so, you're doing something we should all be aspiring to, I, I suspect, a zero waste home. Well, yeah, um, I'd I, I just like to make a couple of points about your earlier speakers, if I may, without being too um, critical. Uh, the first lady said she, she doesn't recycle eggs, eggshells, which came, came as a shock to me. No, she does. And, no, um, she does. Sorry, Declan. She said she didn't, oh, put sorry, them in okay. her, she didn't put them in her own compost heap. She put them in the uh, yeah, brown that, bin. That's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. She doesn't put them in her compost. Now, all you have to do with eggshells is, 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 is wash them just to make sure that uh, vermin don't get at them. Uh, so, uh, um, that's that, that's the first thing. Now the second thing is, uh, I, I, I might seem like an old Scrooge here, but uh, w- one of your fellas was saying that if you pay him, uh, he'd he'd wash out your compost bin for you, and. Um, I I just think that gives a, a passive mindset, whereas if, if if you make an effort to recycle everything that you can, compost everything that you can, it gives you a different way of looking at the wars. Now, I have in my hand here, um, I I went to a talk in, uh, in a Rahimi Library and Stop, waste, Stop Food Waste, i.e., we were given out uh, a booklet that I have in my hand from Stop Food Waste, i.e. And uh, it, it, go, it goes through the A to Z of how to compost. And, and really, um, in my opinion at least, it's much handier to compost whatever you have than to be waiting for uh, the bin carriers to come along and pick it up. And uh, the other thing is, it gives you, in my opinion again, a... Uh, a different view on the world, more if you like a farmer's view than perhaps um, an urban view. Yesterday I was up in uh, the Brink Centre on Oscar Trainer Road, the corporation who did great work there and everywhere else. And there was a lady from Colester, very upset because uh, all these uh, leaves were falling down on her on her um, road in Colester. And what, what, what some communities are doing and what, what a lot more communities could do with a more active approach is to actually gather up those leaves so that they don't cause um, a nuisance. And as I said to your uh, uh, researcher yesterday, back in the old days, farmers used to kill each other in the West over seaweed because they'd used the seaweed as compost. And now, now we just throw everything out, and, and it's really the wrong mindset. Okay, okay, Declan. A lot of wind there in the background, which is um, uh, affecting your line. But I think we got your we got your point. Thank you for that. Uh, bring in Martin. Martin, good afternoon. How's it going, Katie? Yeah, Martin. Um, where are you on this? Uh, well, we don't have any waste here at all. We recycle everything. Um, all our bean tins, dog food tins. Yogurt curtains, butter curtains, uh, wrappers off meats and things like that. You know, the packages. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I fill the dishwasher up, I put all that stuff on top of the, dish, on top of the dishes 
banging in the dishwasher, uh, goes through the cycle, comes out, dry, and then put them in the bin. And if you go with them and there's no problem, all, uh, all our bottles and jars and things go down to the, I think it's a panda thing down in the village. Um, on eggshells, if you put, if you get one of the, your curry trays and put your, egg sh- your eggs into it and bang them into the oven after you're finished cooking and leave them in there, they'll dry out completely, take them out and just put them in a bag, give them a belt to your hand and it turns them into uh, pieces. Then you can add them into your compost or add them into your polytunnel or whatever you're digging into and you're laughing. Is there anything you can't? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that that's the challenge that you you wish you could figure out a way to? Um, but don't, but don't. <laughs> well, the, the biggest problem you would have is when you go down to recycling and you try to get rid of bottles and things like that. And there's never, they're always full, bottles all around it, uh, jars where they're not emptied on a regular basis. That is a problem mm-hmm. uh, because you get broken glass and you get all sorts of stuff left around. Um, but do you actually have bins? Big, sorry, Martin, but do you have commercial, like do you have Panda or, or you know Greyhound or whoever, whoever the company no, is? No, we have no bin collection at all. Wow. Now, I have the bins. Um, I have four different bins which we use to hold the stuff till we're doing uh, recycling is once a month down in Blessman Village. Uh, a company from Wicklow come up with a 40 foot and uh, sometimes they have bin lorries and you just go down and you give them all your your waste uh, in clear poly bags so they can see um, that it's that all clean. Washed and clean. Now with uh, tea bags, tea bags are a plastic bag there's plastic in them. And when you put them into the ground or put them into your compost, the bag never um, deteriorates. That's what Sheila was saying, yeah. So yeah, what so do you do with that? I just leave them, dry them out, uh, let the bag go dry, and then uh, my wife empties them. And the Literally, them, sorry, it literally te- tears open all the individual tea bags. Yeah, and just empties them out. And um, we put then the bags into... Uh, when we're going down to the um, recycling. Bananas, the milk cartons, the three litre milk cartons, we keep them, fill them up with water and put five banana skins chopped up into it and use them then to uh, pour on the tomatoes and grapes and things like that that we grow. And it brings them on, ripens them and brings them on. So so the sorry, so you, so you yeah. get your, t- your banana skins, you chop them up, dry them out. Yeah. No, just no. chop them up. Yeah. Uh, and put them into the three litre milk cartons and then fill them up with water and then leave them there for about two, three weeks, probably a month, till it goes brown. And, um, and then the, it. it's nearly rotten inside at that stage and you pour it on your fruit and your things like that. Well, there's a top and tip uh, now. Is that what is that the potassium coming out of the banana? Or it's what? the potassium, yeah. And if you use your rainwater from your barrels, from your water butts, uh, you're not using your well water or your local water system that you're using and uh, everything is great like you know you okay. can recycle nearly everything you just have to think about it and, uh, a bit um, of effort well that that was uh, Declan's point yeah, that you know, actually uh, a little bit of elbow grease like uh, we shred the newspapers and cardboard boxes and things like that in a you know like an office shredder yeah use one of them shred her up and uh, we use that to put in 
and we have a couple of hens here and we have a goose and a turkey and we put that in with them and that's their bedding and then when that's full of their muck uh, we put that in a separate compost heap and let it go down then put it in with the compost Wow You've a good setup. So you, you a, a good setup, Martin. Down to it, you can do lots of things. Can, like, you know. Can I just ask Des before I let you go? Uh, Des, the, the tea bag thing is kind of fascinating. Do you have an issue with those going into the brown bin? Yeah, there is a. Unfortunately, not every tea bag will break down, and uh, we're like we are talking to manufacturers. We're talking to the retailers to try and get to a tea bag that does break down. But unfortunately, there is some plastic and there's some heavy glues in them, so it is difficult. Mm. Look, if if they go in the compost bin, it's not going to ruin the compost. They will come out. They will get screened out or sieved out at some stage. But uh, but you'd rather general, not see them there. In in general, they're probably better off unless you're going to go and cut them open. You know, and the tea the tea itself can go of course but the bag itself generally is difficult to compost or sometimes not, a bit, not able to compost And one last question you know those little caddy bags you get and then the, the bigger composti- compostable bags would yep. you generally wa- like to see a lot of the waste going you know going into the, the bins in those bags first or what, what what's the for, for, yeah look at for for easiness for the house and and you know to keep the the smell and that mm-hmm. in the house down the compost bags work the little caddy bags the compost bags in the kitchen mm-hmm. work very well and then out to your compost your brown composting bin absolutely that works really well and it leaves it a lot easier it well it does indeed yeah listen martin yeah. thanks so much for that des thanks and thanks to all our callers and that we have to take a break talk to joe on 0818 715 815 joe! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And we were talking about uh, film and TV memorabilia at the top of the programme with Derek Landy and others. Uh, Gareth, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. What have you got, Gareth? Well, I was recently given the Guinness World Record for the world's largest Deadpool collection. Ah, yes, Deadpool memorabilia is huge, I believe. It is. It is. I was um, I was pleasantly surprised to see that they gave me a full page in the new book, and my whole town has really supported me, and it felt amazing. So, what is your most prized Deadpool possession? I would probably say that would be the bust that's signed by Stan Lee and Ryan Reynolds. They used that bust when they met, when they molded his mask for the first movie. Wow, that is. And was that hugely expensive piece of memorabilia? It was, it, was, it was quite expensive because they only had 50 of them made in the world. And it comes with a whole certificate of authenticity. Um, so yeah, it was um, <laughs> quite special. The Marvel, I imagine, the Marvel memorabilia is absolutely, you know, flying now, particularly with, you know, all, all the Marvel movies that have come out in the last number of years. Oh, yeah, it's gotten huge. Um, it's become more of a mainstream thing rather than a small cult thing. Everyone knows your latest superhero series and movies that are coming out. Um, and it's almost cool to be a geek again. It finally, the geeks shall inherit the earth, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> finally our time. Uh, Gareth we're uh, we're actually nearly out of time uh, I will uh, thank you for that uh, and I will let you go and well done on the uh, the whole record uh, we um, that's all we have time for today 
Uh, on sound, we had James Feeney. Our broadcast coordinator is Shane Galvin. And today's programme was produced by uh, Tara Lockery-Grant. Um, uh, that's it. Uh, stand by now for Ray. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.